Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Building Charleston podcast, where we take a moment each week to meet the leaders who are changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine. I am the host of Building Charleston and the broker in charge at Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate company representing Charleston's office, industrial, and retail tenants with their commercial leases. This episode is being recorded on April 25th, 2019. Today's guest is a lot about the Charleston area. When I learned about his background, there were a few things that really stood out as being unique to the Charleston story. Today's guest was successful in his previous ventures, but always wanted to move to the Charleston area and had to forego his current path and sacrifice some of his current successes to start over in the low country. Now that he's here, he's helping others plan for the last half of their life so that they can enjoy all the quality of life that the Charleston area provides. And maybe, best of all, he's an aspiring endurance athlete that channels some of that same competitive drive in his distance running into his business. Today's guest is Kimsey Hollyfield from Hollyfield Planning and Financial. Kimsey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Great intro. I'm happy to be here. I hope I can live up to the great intro you put there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know your story well, and I'm, and I'm confident that you can. You know, Kimsey and I have a few things in common. Notably, we both moved here in part because we wanted to be here personally, but also because those around us, in other words, our families, recognize the quality of life that the Charleston area offered. So with that said, Kimsey, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to Charleston. Well, my wife and I are originally from Asheville, North Carolina, and if you if you grow up in Asheville, you end up vacationing in Charleston growing up, so it's just, it's a happy time and a happy memory, and you know, we sort of built our life and our, our businesses in Asheville. We had a successful insurance agency, with which we still own, with about 300 insurance agents. We don't run the, the day-to-day now, but you know, the, the dream was just always to live as close to the beach as possible and to have that work-life balance and, you know, just to have everything that, that Charleston offers. So we sort of uprooted and came down here four years ago and moved everything down. And it's, you know, it was a little tough at first adjusting, but it was, it's fantastic. So we're really happy down here now. 
Well, I feel like that's unique to the Charleston story. You know, so many people here are successful in their own right. They've done, you know, some great things in the past, but they come to that fork in the road, whatever it is, yeah. and they have that opportunity to get down here. They have to leave some of what they built in the previous, in their previous career or the previous location. But that's just part of the sacrifice of being here. So, so now you're down in the Charleston area. You run a successful financial planning business called Hollowfield Financial. What is a financial planner? I mean, it sounds pretty straightforward, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it. It should be straightforward, right? A, you know, a financial advisor, it's right there in the title. You give financial advice to people. <laughs> so, you know, it should be pretty straightforward, but I think a lot of times folks overcomplicate it. You know, and I, I look at my job as first and foremost, being able to communicate with people and communicate things that maybe they're uncomfortable asking and they're not sure about and just communicate in a, in a simple, direct manner. I mean, all of my clients are really successful in their own right, but you know, they don't want to sit and look over spreadsheets for three hours a day. They just want to know that somebody's helping them with their money and, and the plan that they have is going to let them, you know, vacation with their kids and play golf three times a week or, you know, just kind of provide a little more certainty in a, an uncertain world, I guess. Sure. Well, how did you get into the financial planning industry? You know, let me ask you this. When people ask you when you were a kid what you wanted to be when you grow up, what did you say? Special hockey player all day long. <laughs> so I can't play hockey, but you know, I, I just always, you know, when people ask me that, I, I just always wanted to own a business and, and I wanted to help people with their money. And I didn't know what a financial advisor was, but I just thought this is always interesting to me. I used to, when I was a kid, I would get the newspaper and look at the stocks and I, yeah, I didn't even know what they were, but it just always interested me. So, you know, I, I kind of got to do what I wanted to do when I grow up, you know, so I got lucky in that. Okay. And why be an entrepreneur or a sole business owner as opposed to working somebody else? What was that drive that made you say, hey, listen, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name it after myself and I'm going to go down that yeah. path? Well, you know, I, my parents are very hardworking and, you know, they kind of taught me that from a young age to be a very hard worker. And I, I, just, I just always wanted to, you know, I just always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, even middle school, I would make origami and, and sell it at, at lunchtime to make extra money. And, you know, and then you do the paper route. We had a little lawn business. And I mean, I was, you know, 12 years old and, you know, running a pretty successful lawn care business you know, after school. And that's always interested me. So you had the entrepreneurial blood running through your veins, if you yeah. will, for, for most of your, sure. most of your life. When it came time to building what is your current company, what was your vision for making it different or better than, than other financial planning companies out there? You know, that's a good question. I think, I think the fact that we can be an independent firm, we can look at the client's situation and work backwards from there and not have to you know, worry about somebody telling me, hey, let's sell this product or let's sell this account because of a commission or a sales goal or, or something like that. Just being able to really get to know our clients and, and really work backwards from what our clients want and being able to give them that certainty on, on what really what they're looking for. Okay. You jumped to my next question that was kind of percolating <laughs> in my head as you were, you know, you're answering that. So you're obviously an, an independent company. You know, what are the yeah. strengths and the differences if I was going to you know, employ you for your services? What are the strengths and differences between, you know, independent and say a JP Morgan wealth management? Yeah, well, so we, we're an independent company and we're, we're local to Charleston. We're really specialized in working with people who are, I would say, 50 and up. Uh, who are approaching retirement or who have just retired. 
And my focus is always safety, a reasonable rate of return, and simplicity. And then if if there's a fourth, it's it's having a relationship. And you know, like like I said, just just knowing that when I'm sitting with a client, you know, I, I treat them like family. You know, we we don't we don't call it a database; we call it a client family. And you know, just being able to really work backwards from exactly what they want and being able to look at you know any product out there, whether it's a, a managed account or a or a, you know a fixed or indexed annuity, and and being able to really give them that one-on-one service that they're looking for. Interesting. I've never heard it put as a client family as, you know, over a database. I'm guilty yeah. as charged. I, I refer to my database, <laughs> my database, but at the end of the day, these are people I talk to on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. I'm, I'm not planning their financial future, but I'm planning the real estate future. So maybe sure. I need to start taking a different approach <laughs> towards my database and refer to it as my, as my client family. Is your client family uh, primarily from the Charleston area or do you work with people all over the country? So with technology now, I guess we, I guess we could work with people all over, but you know, I, I really want to make a difference in Charleston. And so all of our clients are, are right here. And, you know, I want that relationship with them. I want them to be able to, you know, come over to the house sometimes or go play golf or, you know, know their families. And, you know, we have another saying at the office that we want to give our clients, you know, they don't want an 800 number. They want an 843 number to call. And everybody pretty much is right here. We have three locations. We have Somerville, we have Daniel Island, and we have location in Johns Island. So we just we just try to be connected and try to just help people, you know, right in this area here. So if I'm if I'm listening in the Charleston area and I think of Jesus might be something for me, maybe I should be a customer of his, maybe I, I shouldn't at what point should a customer reach out to you for planning? Is it can I do it as early as thirty or is it something that I would typically do later later in my career? Yeah, I mean we can help we can help people of any age. You know, so we have we have clients that are as you know, as grandkids and young as you know, five or 10 years old that, uh, and, and clients up that are retired. But um, I would say most of our clients are in their mid fifties, just works out that way. You know, we do, we do a lot of educational events and it, it just works out that, you know, they end up to be because of our message of safety. And because that's where our focus is, a lot of younger people, you know, they're just ready to take risks that, you know, that, that we just don't focus on. So, uh, as you get older, we like to have less money at risk and more money safe, and that's that's been our message and our specialty. Okay, so you know, circling back to something that you kind of touched on earlier, that I think bears a little bit more, uh, you know, deeper digging, if you will. You know, there's a lot of different ways to measure success. What is the benchmark you use to determine your client success? The benchmark we use, you know, I've never had a client sit down with me and and tell me. Hey, I have to beat the S and P 500. You know, I have to beat you know the guy down the street or the, the Dow Jones or whatever the case may be. The conversations that we always have goes you know from the client's goals, and if we can if we can make that life that they've dreamed of in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, if we can make that happen, and you know make sure that hey, you have X amount of guaranteed income. You can go on the vacations. You can give money to your grandkids and go play golf or buy the boat or whatever, whatever it might be. That's that's really the benchmark. If we can make that dream that the client has, and it's different for everybody, but you know that's why you have to have that relationship because otherwise, yeah, you're just you're just kind of shooting the dark. 
and, and how do you know if you're having a, uh, an impact on your clients lives? Is that by the communication you were referring to earlier where, you know, by talking to them, you, you know, you're having that impact and you know, if you're not having that impact. One of the biggest compliments we get and one of the ways I know I've helped people is, so we do a lot of educational events and we always invite our clients back. I mean, we have a lot of clients that come back to, to the educational events we put on and they bring friends. And when they bring their friend and they're able to say, hey, here's my neighbor, here's my, my friend, I, you did such a great job with us. I just wanted them to meet you. And to me, that's when I really know that, okay, we, re- we were really able to help these people to the point where, because you wouldn't introduce your friend to somebody that you know, didn't make a difference in your life. So mm-hmm. that's really where, where we see that. Interesting. Yeah. I once heard a referral is the ultimate compliment. So yeah, when you, yeah. I guess when, uh, when you're, when your clients are bringing, you know, more of their friends to say, Hey, listen, we trust, we trust this guy. It's worth working, working with him. That's probably a good indication that you're having a positive impact on their lives. So it sounds like a pretty rewarding job. What makes you the happiest about your job? You know, happiest about my job is just, is just being able to help people. You know, it, it's, it's an, it's a thing that I really enjoy always been kind of kind of geeky like that i just i like to look at i like it when i sit down with people and they have these different accounts and these different questions and it's a little bit of a maze and you can explain it and explain it in a in a simple and direct way and you just see the the light bulb go off and it's it's almost like you know somebody told me recently that i mean so this is the first time i've really felt comfortable with the plan that i have going into retirement because people don't think about that i mean it's it's fun, you know, and it's marketable to market to young people and say, hey, if you do this, then you're going to be a multimillionaire and, you know, and you're always kind of looking at the future. But at a certain point, you have to start thinking about, hey, now I have this money and now I'm going to give up my, my income and what I have has, you know, has to last me. And maybe, you know, people are living so long now. The distribution phase is something that a lot of people just don't focus on. And that's when I know that we've really helped people. So if they came to you and they're and they're obviously very happy, that might indicate that at some point there was uh you know they they weren't planning appropriately or there was some something missing. What is what's the hardest part of your job? Is it when you meet somebody who's just come in and their their portfolio or their their planning is uh, all over the place? What what's the hardest part of your job? Well, I, w- I no, I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot of people right now. I mean, the market's been going up for over 10 years, it's the longest bull market ever. You know, everybody's pretty much made money over the past 10 years. So a lot of people are happy with, with what their accounts have done. But, you know, the question is, if the market's going down, you know, how are you protected? But for me, the hardest part of my job, I mean, I'm a, a worker, a grinder. You know, I've always, always been a hard worker. I learned that from my, my parents. The hardest part of my job was building out my business and the team around me and, you know, now we have this, this great team that helps out. I mean, Kim in our office does so much that I'm really not very good at. And, you know, you try to hire people that are smarter than you, better than you in certain areas, and then just leave them alone. You know, I mean, not micromanage. Mm-hmm. And in my early 20s, I mean, that was something that I was definitely a, a micromanager. And, and uh, you know, I, I've really had to sort of slow down and realize that some things are not my job anymore and other people doing better than me. So that, that was the hardest transition for me. Okay. It's something I think a lot of business owners face and it, it, it's not easy, but yeah. it's, it's the part of growth and that's life. So when you, you start, know, changing- yeah, when you start, when you start a business and you probably went, I mean, maybe you had a similar 
experience. And a lot of times it's just you, you know, and you have to, you have to do all the jobs and you have to work, you know, mornings and daytimes and nights and you're working, you know, you're working nonstop. And, and when you grow a little bit, you can't do everything. And, and so you have to have great people around you and, you know, and you have to, you know, you have to sort of learn to build that team out. Yep. Well, growth is an important part of any business. So outside of being on Charleston's number one podcast, which you're doing today, and for the record, I can't back that up at all. So let's just assume that for the time being, <laughs> outside of being on today's podcast, and what other forms do you interact with your customers? So the podcast is great. And I would say you're right. It is the number one podcast in Charleston. Thank you. It's definitely, I think, the best podcast in Charleston for profiling the businesses and the, the, the growth. So I think, I think you're doing a great job, but Thank you. we do one of the things that, that we do about six to eight educational events per month. And they're a lot of fun. We have people, I'm actually at Ruth's Chris downtown right now. We have an event tonight and we get about 40 people in the room. We invite them, they come in and it allows me to get up and be really direct and really open and show literally take like an hour and show case studies of what we do for clients and, and really sort of put all my cards on the table and say, you know, uh, one of the things I always say at the beginning is, that, you know, I'm not right for everybody and we may be a good fit, but we may not be a good fit, you know, but it gives them an hour to learn about our business, learn what we do. And then at the end, you know, a lot of people end up setting appointments and it, it works out great. And, and, you know, some people don't, but at the end of the night, then, they bring a great meal out and I leave so they can eat without me staring at them and you know, they, they're <laughs> able to have a good night and, and it works out really well for everybody. So they're, they're very popular. Sounds like fun. I'm, I'm getting hungry already. Is it, I got to ask, <laughs> is it open bar? Oh my goodness. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, it's not. So it's not an open bar. I don't know if you've heard this, uh, this saying that Charleston is a, a drinking town with a history problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can imagine an open bar. So we that would be fun, but at, at yeah. these events, because they are educational, you're talking about finance. and you sure. know, I mean, yeah, we want people to set appointments if it's a good fit, but really we want people right. to be able to learn. And We don't do the open bar, but also we don't, you know, we don't like outlaw alcohol either. So we, we have a sure. lot of people that will go up to the bar, get a glass of wine or a cocktail and bring it in. And you know, a couple of people, they'll sneak out and, They'll grab another glass of wine. <laughs> well, that's, that's, now, that's after probably, I leave, I don't know what they do. They, who knows? Sure. Well, that, that's <laughs> probably for the best because if I was if I was advertising an open bar on uh, on this podcast, I, I don't know if you'd be in business long because I know a, co- a couple too many knuckleheads that would probably be there all the <laughs> yeah. time. And I, and I and I must confess, I'd probably show up once or twice myself for all the wrong yeah. reasons. So all right, so so, so so you've got a great outreach program. The company is growing. Where do you see your firm in five to ten years? Well, five to 10 years, who the heck knows what's going to be going on with technology and all the advancements. But one thing we always focus on is if there's new advancements in technology and everything's going digital and just like, you know, I think podcasting is replacing, you know, radio and anything that we can do to improve our client's experience and and help their lives, we're going to always try to stay on top of the game there, not new tech for just the sake of having something fancy, but stuff that that really, that really helps them out. And then I guess on a personal level, you know, we have three offices, but in the next five, 10 years, I want to own the buildings that all my offices are in. That's just something that I, that I think for myself. And, and then as our assets under management grow, our, you know, our next milestone that we're trying to hit is a hundred million under management. And 
you know, I don't know if that's going to take 18 months or, you know, four or five years, but, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to become an efficient, but you have to have some stability and, and some longevity with your company as well. So certain milestones really help out. And the last thing, and really the most important thing is just, there's so many good charitable organizations and so many people to help in Charleston. So when you have more success, you can give back and you can, you, you know, you can help people who are in need. So that's a big focus for us. That's awesome. Well, getting back to the real estate part, when it's time to acquire those buildings or, or anything after that, <laughs> you definitely know uh, a good real estate guy, so don't hesitate yeah. to, yeah, you can to help reach me out. out. On that. We'll, yeah, we'll there you looking. go. <laughs> so, so on, on the on the you know on the personal side, you know, I mentioned in the intro, you're you're an endurance runner. So, tell us a little bit about that. What's what's your biggest run? What are you currently training for? Right now, I'm training for a 50k. So it'll be my first ultra marathon, and my goal is to do the longest races that I can, I can find. So it goes from 31 miles. I would love to do a 50 mile and up. And the reason is I have absolutely no running talent whatsoever. <laughs> so short races, I mean, if I go out and run a mile or a three mile, those are all dominated by people who are, are, you know, were born to be runners, born with this great athleticism. And <laughs> I just wasn't. So the longer races, Everybody breaks down, and it becomes more of just a mental battle and, and just a sucker fest as opposed to the most athletic people come out on top. Isn't that a metaphor <laughs> for life, too, sometimes? You know, and there's something about you know, an athlete who, who focuses on, on endurance that makes them different from others. They, just, they, they know how to go for it. I've had a lot of you know, even when it comes to this podcast, I've had a lot of people who have gently inquired about being on the podcast. There's people like Kim Zoo who pretty much just reached out and was like, "Hey, man, I want to be on the podcast." Like, that's a competitor. That's that's where it comes from, and you really got to respect that. So, back to running. What kind of pace are you running these days? So, I do all heart rate training. So, if I'm 150 beats per minute, okay, I can go for a long. You know, if it goes up over that, then I'm suffering. But you know, it's about a. It, I can take a nine minute pace for a mile and, and go for a long, a long while if I'm doing a race or something shorter, I can go, you know, set seven and a half, seven minutes, something like that. But, you know, for, for 10 K, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not the fastest in the world, but if I can keep my heart rate from going crazy and just sort of shuffle along, then that's sort of where I live. <laughs> okay. So, and, and you're based in Seabrook. If I was uh, you know, yeah. a listener to this podcast and I was find myself in the Seabrook area, what's a good spot to go for a run? I think Seabrook and Keela are great spots for endurance athletes, whether you're running, biking, swimming. I know you're talking about doing a triathlon, so we got to get you out doing some biking. Seabrook Island has one main road in the neighborhood, and it's exactly six and a half miles. And it's a loop, and it's beautiful, and it's flat, and you know the cars are not going to run you down. And if you want something longer than that, you can take a path right over into Kiowa, and then you're in Kiowa. You know, so you can do that loop and shoot over to Kiowa, and then you're right on the golf course, and everybody knows Kiowa Island is beautiful, and there's a lot of people that run or bike, and we have the in- indoor pool. So when you get to, to training for your Ironman, you're going to have to come down, and, and we'll get you hooked up with some good bike rides. Awesome. And then where, where do I get my, <laughs> uh, my energy from? I, I know you're a married guy. What's the, what, what's the best restaurant to take your spouse or, or, or to go for a good meal in Seabrook? So out here, we have two spots, and I hesitate to tell you about the second one, but first one is we love sushi. My wife and I love sushi, and there's a place in Freshfield Village. It's called Fuji, and it's fantastic. We're one of these couples. We just bring our dog everywhere, 
And so literally we can take the dog. She sits there. They give her a little bowl of rice and some water and everybody's really cool there. Great food. There's even, there's a really cool girl that works there that looks just like one of the characters from Game of Thrones. So I won't tell you which one, but when you walk in, you'll see her and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that's just from a Game of Thrones episode. But, <laughs> but that's a good place. The second place, if you go into Bohicket Marina, there's this little place sort of in the bag. It's upstairs and it's like right on the water. But it's sort of, a, it, it's, it's not, I mean, there's never a line. You just go straight in. It's a little Mexican place. And once again, we take our dog, we sit out there on the dock, and you just have some nachos or some, some tacos or whatever. And now if the podcast comes out here in six weeks and we show up and there's a line out the door and we can't get, <laughs> we can't get a table, then, <laughs> then that's going to be a problem. But, but it's, a, it's well, a great spot. The sun, the sunset and the boat's coming in. I mean, it's just really, really nice. Well, once it's on the podcast, it's oh. cast in stone forever. I will make sure to get oh, down there cool. before the podcast comes out so I don't have to deal with the, the rush. But I guess that's just one of the <laughs> so, benefits of listening to the podcast. You get to know where uh, you know all the good spots are, whether you're local or listening to the podcast from that, out of the market. That place is called La Sagada. Awesome. All right. So if you're listening, that's, that's, that's where the locals eat. So I guess... You know, wrapping up here, tell us a little bit about your vision for you know the Charleston area. What do you what do you see happening down here? There's been a lot of growth. Does it continue? What in, in what manner? What's your what's your kind of vision for for Charleston as we move forward here? Well, yeah, I mean, Charleston's growing like crazy, and it's going to keep growing like crazy. Everybody comes from Ohio, and they come down here to visit, and then they just never leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if any. I have a couple friends from Ohio, so they'll. We're happy to have them. But, you know, everybody is leaving Ohio. Even LeBron James left. So it's just going to keep growing, right? If I had, if I had three wishes, right, if we were doing like the, the whole, you get three wishes thing, my first wish would be somebody please finish 526, take the interstate down, dump it out right at the end of Bohicket Road. That would just save me so, I mean, it, that would be, Great. For everybody in Johns Island, everybody is on the finished 526 bandwagon. The second is that, yeah, it's going to keep growing, and it, but just if we can keep growing and keep the character and the history that Charleston has. I mean, I don't want to live in Charlotte with a bunch of skyscrapers, so if we could just keep this, you know, the character and all the great things about Charleston going as we grow, which I think I think we're doing a pretty good job on that, and then you know, if I had a last thing, if we could get a top golf here, you know, that would be your play top golf. I, I have not, but I know a lot of a lot of people that do. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, you talk about a date night. If I could go out, me and Lorna go out, and we go to like some old, beautiful building with great food downtown, then shoot over to a top golf, and then take five twenty six all the way back to our house. I mean, that would be that. Really, that would be the dream right there. That's the. That's a dream night for Kimsey. Well, it's uh, <laughs> those, those, those are all very, um, I think, modest requests. So my wish for you is that that all those come true, Kimsey. If I was, you know, listener to the podcast and I wanted to know, you know, if this is, you know, they, they they listen to you, they say this is something interesting, this is something I need to learn a little bit more about. How would they get in touch with you? The easiest way is probably our website, hollowfieldfinancial.com. All the information's on there. We have our seminar schedule. You have to call and, and reserve for the seminar. We do cap them, and we always have a wait list. But you can you can go on there and learn. We have a lot of videos. It's very interactive, and it it really tells the message of what we're trying to do. And then, of course, we have the Facebook and Instagram and, and all of those things. But my my first stop would be the website, hollowfieldfinancial.com. Okay. 
Well, I, I will obviously uh, put that contact information in the uh, the show description. So if you're listening to this and uh, you didn't have a pen and paper in your hand, you can look in the show notes and, and they will be there. So this is this has really been great. Kimsey, thank you. I typically like to wrap the show up with a pro tip. This week's pro tip from the Building Charleston podcast is about compound growth, in honor of financial planning. Compound growth is a double-edged sword. When it's working against you, it can be really, really deadly. For example, one of the reasons I moved to Charleston was that my former state had a debt and obligation problem that was compounding way out of control. The debt and obligation didn't come out of nowhere. It took a lot of years of awful leadership to make that happen. Simultaneously, when it's working in your favor, it's a really good thing. Building a solid balance sheet that pays you nicely in retirement has got to be a wonderful thing. I'm not in retirement yet, but I, I imagine it's a, a wonderful thing. That too takes time to build and it only comes with discipline and solid planning. So maybe your partner in that planning is Hollowfield Financial already. That's awesome. Not making any endorsements on this podcast, but if you're not already talking to Kimsey himself, you'll probably be better off if you're talking to someone like him who's in your area. So with that said, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please like the podcast and subscribe so you can hear more. We publish just about every week and we have some more really exciting interviews that are lined up for the coming weeks. Also, if you're a business in the low country and you're looking to expand or relocate your business, or if you're listening to us from somewhere outside the Charleston area and you're considering moving your business to the low country, please give me a call. My cell phone directly for work is 843-508-3038. That's 843-508-3038. And all my information, like Kimsey, can be found on my webpage. It's lanecre.com, L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. And I'd be really happy to show you what it takes to grow your business here in the Charleston area. Thank you one last time to Kimsey Hollifield from Hollifield Financial. Thank you to the listeners. Go out there, everyone, and make a great day. Thanks. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.